Every episode of The Angry Chicken is made possible by our amazing patrons over at patreon.com slash tack. For more of Jocelyn's content, check out jossplays.com. And if you can't get enough of Ridiculous Hat, follow him over on Twitter at Ridiculous Hat. The Angry Chicken is a production of A-Move TV. Time's up. Let's do this. You smell like a leopard gnome! I knew it! So hot! A podcast about Hearthstone and Battlegrounds. This is The Angry Chicken! everyone and welcome to the angry chicken i'm your host jocelyn and joining me as always is my wonderful co-host ridiculous hat how are you doing this week hat i'm well i guess i'm wonderful uh you are wonderful yeah i'm quoting you how are you how are you doing <laughs> it's we made a cryptic I, tweet well no we made a cryptic tweet did. you clarified by saying that we are not live streaming for butt related reasons <laughs> I know uh, that was probably in the muscle relaxers talking a little bit, but I thought it was hilarious. So <laughs> not saying it wasn't funny. It was funny. Yeah, no, it's just the kind of thing where, you know, you get to a certain age and you have, you know, two dogs that are three months old and weigh between 25 and 30 pounds and you go to pick one up and you twist the wrong way and all of a sudden you can't walk. So <laughs> those are my butt related reasons. I have pulled a muscle and can't like sit properly at my computer. And uh, yeah, so it was just, oh God, the last couple of days have been kind of a mess. So thank you for accommodating me, Hat. And thank you to our listeners for being understanding that there is no live stream tonight. Uh, but yeah. We do have a lot to talk about that is Hearthstone related, not just butt related. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I don't think that Hearthstone is particularly butt related. I mean, I guess in BGs you can make big butt big butts. <laughs> I don't really know how to segue. <laughs> big this. booty minions hat. Big booty yes. minions. Uh, best way to segue any time of day is to talk about Patreon, obviously. Uh, if you want to support the show, if you like what we're doing here, you can head on over to patreon.com slash tack. You get access to our patron only discord server where you can send in your questions ahead of the line of the emails. So if that sounds like something you'd like to do, or if you want to talk to Hat at any hour of the day or night, you can do that by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash tack. I say that as if Hat isn't available on Twitter literally all of the time. <laughs> Uh, I'm generally unavailable between 5 and 9 a.m. Eastern time. Outside of that, roll the dice, see what happens. <laughs> but yes, if you do like what we do, if you want to support us, head on over to patreon.com slash tack. And you know what's almost as cool as our patrons? The new Battlegrounds patch. Have a good battle, friend. We are going to start off with Battlegrounds because we got the huge patch 24.2. It landed this week. It landed yesterday, actually on Tuesday. And uh, it's the last patch of 2022, which we found out last week. And um, it's clarify, big... the last The last major BGs update, not the last patch. There'll be more patches, but yes, this is the fair, last fair. season of BGs. Yes. 
because we'll get the next one in January. It's the that language has confused a lot of people because what constitutes a major patch is a patch that ends in dot two. In this case, there'll be there'll probably be a refresh before the uh, the holiday season where they you know the point six one where they change a few minions here and there, change a few heroes here, here and there, just a little bit yeah, of stuff. Yeah, balancey things. Yep. And they'll probably do, they're definitely going to do bug fixes along the way, maybe some other minor tweaks. There was actually a bug fix, a tiny bug fix patch that rolled out just like an hour ago. Oh, I missed that. Well, you'll have to tell us all about it then. <laughs> it's very tiny. They tried to fix some bugs. We'll see if it worked. Is one of those bugs, and we'll we'll talk about quests and rewards in a little bit, but um, is one of those bugs to do with the video that Sunglitters posted? I don't know if you saw that with um, the the baby devil sore getting the stealth quest and then never dying. <laughs> uh I haven't seen that but no, that sounds wacky. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's a bug or if it's intended. And I think it might be just because the like the summoned minion was killing off the minions on the other side. I don't necessarily think it would have been infinite otherwise i don't know but it was basically like the baby devil Sor was stealthed with the with that quest reward and then it would try to attack summon the 8-8 and then not actually complete its attack so it didn't come out of stealth the 8-8 would attack and kill something then the opponent went to attack but there was nothing to attack because it was just the stealth baby devil Sor on the other side and it just kind of went infinite like that it was crazy. <laughs> I was like, that I sounds know that's crazy. Working as intended or a bug, but it could just be a super strong interaction. And I feel like we've seen quite a few of those since the patch went live. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's happening that kind of makes you go eyebrow raise. But um, yeah, uh, it's I've had a lot of fun. I think I've played uh, probably about 10 lobbies, I want to say. How about you? I This has been all I've been doing since the patch came out. Um, I don't BG very much, and I did four hours of it on stream today, plus last night, both on mobile and on desktop since the patch came out. I'm on vacation this week. I've just been playing a crazy amount of BGs. I played on mobile too, and and it wasn't like, it wasn't horrible, horrible, but it's definitely not my preferred way to play. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's bigger screen with a mouse is preferable, though touchscreen works really well for BGs, but... I played it on my desktop, my iPad, and my phone, and all three were fun. Um, it's this is the the quest mechanic is one of my favorite things they've done for BGs in a very very long time. Um, it's exactly what I'm looking for in making the games really replayable. Gives me kind of a meta progression outside of just turn by turn combat to work for, and some mm. really goofy end game states that just like. It it makes you want to tell stories about you wouldn't believe what happened in this game. Yeah, I agree. It's very crazy game story, which is always fun. Um, so we also, in addition to quests, which we are going to go kind of a deep dive on quests in a little bit, but um, we got Battlegrounds missions. So these are the missions that actually feed into the new Battlegrounds uh, season pass. And... Mine were mine were fine. Um, like they, they didn't seem like they were too difficult to complete. They're meant to be weeklies, and uh, I got to uh, play thirty of two different types of minions, win thirty times, uh, like thirty combats, not thirty BGs or BGs lobbies. That would be crazy. <laughs> um, 
and then prevent damage with divine shield 40 times. So things that are meant to be done weekly. And I think outside of win 30 combats. Oh, no, I think I've actually done all of them. It would be crazy if I hadn't won 30 combats in 10 lobbies, then I'd just be a terrible player. <laughs> it's, you would have a different kind of crazy game story in that sense. Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's I didn't look at what the weeklies were, but I completed all three of them in the past day without being aware of the specifics. It just stuff nice. that naturally happens while you're playing. This is going to be one of the most player-forgiving reward tracks to complete in terms of both what is asked of you, how much you need to pay attention to, and how much time investment you need to do at any given point with the bankable, stackable missions and yeah. the conditions that seem fairly reasonable to do in it. Like, if you play a good bit in one day, you can clear all your weeklies. And remember that these stack, so you you never lose them until the season rotates until January. So you just got to play mm -hmm. a bunch of BGs between now and January, and it's just it's just done. Yeah. Yeah, I did find them really easy to complete. Like, I didn't have to think about them or choose my heroes around them or anything. Nothing like the the standard ones where, I mean, the weekly standard one is, you know, win five matches. But, like, then you have your dailies and over on the standard side. That's like you have to play one of these three classes or whatever. And, and you have to, like, modify how you go into the game. You don't really have to do that in BGs. I think they're obviously there's going to be some, like, if you have, like I did, the Murlocs quest, then... Picking a hero like Flurgol would make that go quicker, but also, again, it's a weekly, so it's not going to refresh until next Tuesday. There's really no rush, and I'm probably going to just choose to play Murlocs at some point. I think I got like half of my progression based on a dragon's comp with Caligos, and I was just picking Murlocs and Quillbore because they had battle cries. <laughs> so, you know, like it just, it like you said, it naturally completes, and you don't really have to pay attention, at least again with this first week that's my first impression as well yeah it it just i haven't been i didn't even read them and they just kind of happened uh it's yeah in standard like if you get a specific spell school damage quest you gotta oh, do something yeah. there you gotta do something here it's it's just like just play so far yeah. at least yeah, so far, so far. Big asterisks on everything we say, <laughs> you know, 24 hours after the patch comes out. Um, we also have individual hero skins. They're now available in the store. We're going to talk about runestones in a little bit, but um, there are seven currently in the store, one of which is free. So uh, go and claim your Star Scout scabs <laughs> and don't try to say that five times fast. Unless maybe your hat. You speak quickly anyway, so you might be able to do it, but... Uh, yeah, Star Scout Scabs is available in the store for free. You can go pick them up right now. And then there's six other uh, skins available for runestones currently. Personally, do you like any of them? I bought Delivery Daryl. I had to buy Delivery Daryl. Do you see him? The adorable little murloc with the little invitation and his cute little delivery hat. Yeah, he's pretty adorable. I like him and I like the uh, Eudora skin as well. I haven't played Daryl in a long time, although he is one of my most played heroes on my stats, uh, but I haven't picked him in a while. I feel like I picked him and played him a lot when BGs first came out. Um, and then Eudora, I never, ever pick her, but I am also the kind of BGs player that absolutely picks a hero based on what like hero art I have for them. So 
I'm pretty sure that if I bought Moonlight Familiar Adora that I would then choose her because <laughs> I play basically anytime I get any of the heroes that have the celestial skins. I feel like I talked about this last week. Anytime I get a celestial skin, that's who I play. I don't care if they have like a 6.5 average finish. <laughs> like I choose them all the time. Bigglesworth, yes. Ysera, yes, absolutely. Yep, it's I'm I'm weak. They're fancy. Whatever. <laughs> I'm weak in their fancy show title. <laughs> yeah, I'm writing it down. And the the <laughs> the premium heroes as well, they have like a gold border in the pick screen. Like it's if you have the like the premium tavern pass Elise or whatever, it's got that oh, gold frame. Okay. It actually stands out. Is that because they have the voice lines as well? It's the legendary hero skin. So it has voice yeah. lines, animations, and a special frame. So you're looking at four heroes. Three have a wooden frame and one has a golden frame. Come on. Come on, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You know the right choice. <laughs> it's like the game is highlighting what they want me to do. I'll take the guidance. So so all of those skins are available for 150 runestones. Again, we're going to talk about that in a bit. But before we get into the crazy big runestone conversation, I do want to dive into quests a little bit more because I agree with you, Had. I think that quests are the most interesting and dynamic change that they've made to BGs. Um, they feel a little bit more variable and replayable than Dark Moon prizes, but they also feel almost as swingy as as getting a good prize at the right time um and then you have something like you say you have another objective to work for and some of them work in really good and interesting ways like so the very first bg that i played i chose victim specter as my reward what does that do that's the one that gives you a copy of the last minion that died the last friendly yeah friendly minion yeah friend last friendly minion that died so I assumed that like because, you know, like one thing I have really noticed and I don't know if this has to do with like people playing the game and only having two heroes to select and then quitting the lobby. But I've had most of my lobbies have somebody quit on turn one, um, if not one or two people leave the lobby. Um, and you know, it's the start of the season, so people aren't losing MMR. They're not being punished for that. And then on top of that, you may have some free to play players that only have the two hero selections. So I'm seeing a lot more DCs, but, um, because of that, you're more often going against a ghost with nothing on the board. And I'm like, oh man, my quest reward isn't going to give me anything, but it actually gives you the last friendly minion that died, even if they died like two combats ago. So you just keep getting copies of whatever that was. So you're not penalized by someone's DC. There are a lot of these little thoughtful touches. They very clearly learned from the pain points of buddies. Very, very yeah. clearly learned from it. Very clearly implemented every learning. This feels like a much more polished implementation of how do we infuse power into the mode without it getting super duper samey. And without punishing the players for doing something like for a game state consequence that feels yeah. like they did something wrong. How do we avoid that? So they've really looked at a lot of the small details um, and it just feels really, really good to play. The lobbies really feel different. It feels like the power level of getting a good buddy, but your buddy is different every time. 
Yeah. And it makes it feel like and and this may not actually be the case. I don't know. We'll have to wait a few days for stats to come out and stuff like I'm sure there are still some bad heroes, but they almost in some cases feel like a catch up mechanic. Like if you had a bad hero that was assigned a bad buddy, there was no coming back from that. Right. Uh, Whereas you even if you don't get a great hero choice, you still have a chance on turn four to get a quest and a reward that shores up your your weaknesses you know or, or makes you more powerful or can give you that swing like i know um anima bribe and stolen gold to me seem really strong so anima bribe is the one that anytime you sell a minion their stats get automatically put onto a minion in the tavern so it's very like dancing derrily if you buy everything else and then have just one minion in the tavern you can very much target where those buffs go and then you sell a whole bunch of stuff and like yes you just spent nine gold on stuff maybe you didn't need but then you sell those three minions and all of those stats regardless of how many they are get piled onto the one minion you actually do really want so that has been really powerful once you get it online at least in my experience and then stolen gold is the one where uh, your left and rightmost minions are gold at the start of combat. Um, holy hell, I've had my butt kicked by that. <laughs> yep. It's now remember, it's not permanent. Like it's it's in combat. It's not permanent, no. But it's powerful. Seen it, yeah. Because they, I've seen people use it on uh, both Quillbor and Elementals with uh, minions with Wind Fury. And then all of a sudden, without really having to do anything, you've got Mega Wind Fury. And it's like, damn, like that's a really powerful golden move. That or Baron, obviously, um, is a really, really powerful uh, right hand side minion that you just get to have golden. And if you compare golden Baron with golden Goldrin, like you only have to have one copy of each, but you just kind of instantly get that good beast comp, you know, so there's a lot of power in that uh, quest reward. Yeah, it's there's a lot to be said about specifics. What I will say in generalities that the important part about game design here is the feeling of player agency of how much do my choices matter. And what you were alluding to about the the quest feeling like a catch up mechanic. Buddies had they had, you know, a bunch of upside, but a bunch of downside where it felt like your hero choice was exacerbated. If you got bad heroes, it was even worse yeah. than usual. If you got good heroes, it was even better. It didn't feel like you had more agency. It felt like you had less because so much of that mechanic was scripted. Here, it's the opposite. It feels like the hero choice is less consequential because the quests are what really dictate the, how the game plays out, and you can't see them at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the hero choice, it still matters, right? You can still get a busted hero, a Ysera, a Flurgle, or whatever, or or even a, a High Sparrow and Togwaggle, and still do really well. But also, if you don't get that hero, and you get the right quest, and you get it online with the right tribes, and all the, all the chips fall your way, the hero power doesn't even have to come into play. So it gives yeah. a greater feeling of player agency and control, and also makes the hero choice feel less consequential. So, like you said, I have also seen disconnects in my experience, like, I don't play at super high MMR. I, I think I ended last season between 4 and 5K or something. Uh, my wife is a two-hero gamer, probably in the same ballpark. Um, I think a disconnect in, in lobbies before was actually not uncommon. It was pretty frequent to see them every other lobby or so. 
But I do agree. It seems to be like one per lobby is pretty normal in the range that I'm in right now. I don't know why it is. There are also some rather significant server problems that we're going to talk about. I don't know if that's related or not, or if it is really due to the hero choice stuff. Yeah, let's just talk about that now, because I feel like um, that did happen to me. I got disconnected a few times, um, but that was mostly like as soon as the patch launched, like I was going in, you know, over my lunch break, right when patch time happened. And like my first lobby, it was like, uh, uh-uh, you don't get to play. I was like, oh, yeah. but I'd really like to. <laughs> the symptom is that the rope keeps burning forever. And then when you try and reconnect it, you're stuck in a reconnecting dialogue. It can be as, as little as like five, 10 minutes. It can be as long as an hour. And you have Oof. to basically wait. So what's happening is, Every player is getting kicked out of that lobby. So it has to wait until it completely automatically resolves combat for every player and ends. Mm. It doesn't count the game towards or against you. You don't it doesn't hit your MMR. It can recognize it as a as a ghost lobby in a way. But if you get disconnected on turn one or when the lobby is loading in before anybody buys a minion, you're playing out every combat. So those are the ones that seem like they take about an hour. Yeah. Because it's Ugh, it's right brutal. at the very beginning. And so while that's happening, you can't play any Hearthstone because it will give you the reconnect right, dialogue. It thinks that you're, yeah, it thinks that you're in a Battlegrounds lobby, so you can't even like queue up a game of standard or, or go over onto mobile or something. Yeah, this is, it's a super duper high priority issue for Blizzard. They've been working on it nonstop since yesterday. Is there anything else going on that's like a known bug that we should maybe flag for people? Yeah, um, okay, so, non-Battlegrounds, the core rewards track. If you had the premium one, you'll notice your XP numbers, they're green, but they're the non-boosted numbers. You'll get the correct Mm. amount, it's just a visual bug, you can do your quest as normal, no big deal. Uh, But it looks weird. What, I, I guess this is technically not a big deal, but also it is terrible. The achievement notification icon cannot be cleared right now so there's always a red exclamation mark on your patch journal it's driving me insane hat you don't even yep. understand <laughs> i do understand i have because i will just sit on the on the home screen in between lobbies or whatever catch up on discord catch up on twitter my twitter is on the left monitor discord's on the right hearthstone in the middle so every time my eye scan over the middle monitor oh i gotta clear that achievement <laughs> oh there isn't one I finished reading Discord, scan back over. Oh, I got to clear that achievement. Still isn't one. Still isn't one from 40 seconds ago. So you feel my pain then. I That's that's good. You have a lot of pains going on right now. But I feel this <laughs> I do have this a lot of pains right now. <laughs> yes. Let's see. Uh, there's It's hard to mouse over. If you have a hero with two quests or two secrets, Denathrius or Akazamzarak, it's kind of hard to read, but they're working on it. The disconnect's the biggest one. Um... The Battlegrounds Weeklies. So if you had Battlegrounds Weeklies in the core rewards track, remember how we said those are getting folded into missions now. So yes. uh, top four uh, BG or 1,500 damage in Battlegrounds. Uh, I forget what they all are. I think it was only 500 hero damage or something. Anyways, or or maybe 1,500 dominions. You might be right. Something like that. Anyways. I forget. <laughs> they were, when you updated yesterday, those weeklies they just vanished if you were holding them they were just gone no option to re-roll them just vanished this was unintended they're going to be restored so they're not 
taking them away. It was a bug. They're going to give them back. That should be hopefully really, really soon. Okay, because I was going to say, so I I didn't necessarily lose them. I made sure that I completed my BGs one um, because I had the win five lobbies one. So I completed that like the night before because I was like, I don't want this to just disappear, which is what I thought was going to happen. Or I well, I thought it was going to get replaced. So I was like, I'm going to finish it. But then I didn't get a new weekly on Tuesday. So I still had like the win like whatever win five standard standard games I was at standard lobby standard games um that I had left over from like the week before because we're gonna we have a strategy section this week we're gonna talk about why I don't have that weekly completed um but there's the win five standard games one and that's all I still had on Tuesday after the after the patch and the refresh and everything else and I was like huh that doesn't feel right yep. but okay <laughs> so hopefully those should be reinstated soon yeah, so the weekly the weekly quests are are that was not intentional. They'll be returned like a, as quickly as they can. And also, uh, BG's ratings they show a zero on mobile. They're gonna fix that. But if you look at your friends list, you'll actually see your current rating. It just shows a zero. Uh, it shows up um, after you complete the lobby, and then I think it also shows in your stats. But if you're just in the like where I queue for the next game, yeah, it shows a zero. But that's only a mobile thing, right? That's not a. It is mobile only and visual only. So okay, you're still you're still getting all the progress that you're supposed to get. Excellent. Uh, any other bugs before we move on to some of the updates to the mode? I think these are the major ones. I think that's all of them. That's that's all I remember seeing. Um, definitely yeah. the achievement one is the one that's been in my face and bugging me the most, but. I also haven't had an hour long DC, so <laughs> yeah, um, that's the one that I think. Like when you have to sit in Hearthstone jail and think about what you've done <laughs> as a consequence of the new patch, I think that is pretty obviously a buzzkill when people are, are just want to play the mode. Um, yeah, but that is also the one that they are like absolutely like the entire live ops team. They're all hands on deck. They are working on it nonstop and have been since yesterday. So hopefully that is resolved soon. Uh, we also got some updates. Uh, so a general update to the game, just period, is that you can exceed 10 gold in the shop phase, which Thank is pretty goodness. cool. <laughs> oh, my. We still can't sell from hand, but we can exceed 10 gold, which is really good. I mean, I know you were probably just going to say this, but um, I've so many times either done it wrong and sold first or like been forced to make a bad play because i didn't want to overcap my gold you know there are so many times when i felt punished for for not paying full attention or just for not playing bgs that much i just make a dumb play and like well i guess that's what happens to me but now it's just <laughs> it's it's easier to compartmentalize i think about all right here's how i'm gonna make space then here's what i'm gonna do it just i get to do the turn in the order that works for me and not the one that's so strictly uh, important for the game sequencing. It feels like I kept losing combats, like putting a minion one slot too far to the left. Mm. It feels like that sort of thing. You know, it was just a tiny detail that, yes, I should probably think about it. Yes, I would probably win more if I did, but it's it's too much mental energy for me to do while I'm just chilling on the couch watching TV. Now I just get to I get to sell all the stuff I want to use to make room. I get to buy all the things I want to buy. I get to play all the things I want to play, and I don't got to worry about it. It's just nice. Yeah, it's just nice. It is. Yeah, I think it's a good change. Um, sell from hand when though. Hmm. The UI on that is going to be complicated. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that they've talked about it and they've talked about it as something that they're working on. I just uh, I mean, I'm glad that they did this. But that's that's my like that is a total game changer is being able to sell from hand. Like actually, literally, in a lot of cases, a lot of heroes and a lot of different strategies selling from hand is would be crazy. And so I think actually so I remember they talked about that at BlizzCon, the BlizzCon mm-hmm. 2019 when the first game came out. I haven't heard them talk about that for quite a while. I wonder if it was something that was in the planning phase and they actually prefer the strategy of how it plays now where you have to figure out what am I selling, what am I doing? And if if this mechanic is kind of the middle ground. Yeah, I feel like I remember them talking about it when the last like major BG's update happened. But I also am on a lot of drugs right now, so I might be remembering that wrong. <laughs> and it's, maybe it's, it's just that 2019 is just smooshed and feels like yesterday. So I just like forgot the pandemic for a moment and yeah, thought that that was the last BG's update. Um, it's possible it was in an interview somewhere. Like it's, I don't remember it being publicly stated in like a patch note document or anything, but also I might just not have been paying attention. It happens a lot. Who knows? Listeners, <laughs> if you have any source for if they're working on this, please uh, tag us at TAC Podcast on Twitter.com. There you go. We also got some hero updates. And so uh, we talked about the two new heroes last week, so we're not going to rehash them. But have you had a chance to play Murloc Holmes or Denathrius? What are your quick thoughts on the two new heroes? I have played both. Okay, I haven't played Denathrius, so I wasn't sure how that actually worked out, having two quests and two rewards. If you get it going and aren't dead, it's great, but <laughs> I feel like that's a lot of heroes and a lot of hero powers, though. <laughs> so something that's important about quest, this is not a strategy section, the game's it's like the, the mechanic's been out for a day, but when I first started this patch yesterday, I picked rewards that I thought would be game winning, and I said, all right, let's make this condition work. Now I look a lot closer at how can I get the condition going? And then see if the reward is worth it. Because Mm. a lot of the hard conditions, you will die before you finish the quest. Especially for those really high level rewards. Some of them are like, buy 20 of this thing. Or whatever. It just, you're never going to get there. I think I did. So I I played a, I think it was a Dawngrasp game. And I was playing Elementals. And I had a really good reward but it was tied to like buying murlocs or something or like basically buying two tribes that I wouldn't use otherwise. It was mechs and murlocs or something that just did not go with my elementals. And uh, so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take this anyway because the reward is so good. I'm sure that I will just, you know, passively buy these types of minions over the course of the game um, just by buying like whatever's best in the shop or, or whatever or, you know, like Don Grass's hero power that gives you doubles of stuff. I'm like, then, you know, if it ever doubles a mech, I'll just buy both those mechs. It was such a bad strategy. It was so bad. <laughs> I was yep. like, I finished my quest the turn I died. <laughs> I was just like, well, I should not have done that. <laughs> this is very poor planning. <laughs> so that was my Denathrius experience. I had two quests and I died before I finished either of them because I picked the hardest wow. one both times. So okay. that is not a reflection on Denathrius. That is a reflection on me. Maybe a good strategy for him then would be like pick something that's really easy to to complete. Get it online as soon as possible when you've already got that kind of power boost. 
take the harder one and, you know, work towards that for a late game payoff. But yeah, two hard ones is hat. What were you thinking? Uh, I was thinking, man, when I get these going, that's going to be great. It's. I said, when (laughs) I said, when I should have said if. Yeah, fair. Um, and I don't know about you, but uh, whatever AI they've got working for Murloc Holmes, um, I got destroyed. I think I guessed maybe three right. Was it the they first return? I got the first returns right. Yeah. I think I, I got like uh, turn one, turn two, and then I whiffed on turn three. And then it was like a couple of turns later, I, I guessed again. But like even when they like for instance if my um next opponent if they have a triple or something it offers you two golden choices it's like uh-uh no cheating at all like we're going to make this really hard and the two golden choices both of them were totally a possibility based on the information that i had just from the scoreboard and i was like man this actually really feels difficult it feels pretty coin flippy um and you know like whether that's intended or not i mean i might just be really dumb <laughs> i would kind of like to see somebody like educated collins or slissa or bofer like get in there and play that hero so i can be like this is what someone who actually has like thousands of hours in bgs and knows what they're doing how they make their choices because it's way beyond me apparently <laughs> so I so all right. I have I have. Here's a guide to turn two for gold turn. I pressed the button. My opponent. It showed me alley cat and hyena. I moused over my opponent. It said they had two beasts. Ah. I picked the alley cat. It was correct because they had two beasts. Hmm. What could it be? I feel like it's it's hard to bluff right uh, off the first turn or two, right? The the first two turns it seems pretty straightforward, and it works the way Scabs did does. It, work, it works the yeah. way Scabs does, where it snapshots their last board, so it doesn't matter yes, what they do during yeah. their turn. Snapshots their last board, so if they had two beasts on on three gold turn, it is impossible for them to have two beasts on turn one without buying a cute cat. But after that, later in the game, yeah, I whiffed like half the time. Yeah. So, I mean, like, kudos to whoever designed that AI because it is making difficult choices. But, yeah, like I said, I'd like to see a pro make some of those choices and and see how they do, like, versus the AI. Um, But, yeah, it was uh, more challenging than I kind of thought it was going to be. It's, I I think, maybe not quite as challenging as Bear Off, but it's definitely one of those things that rewards in-game knowledge. And I'm sure I'll get better at it over time. Because, like, it was also, like, we we have the whole shakeup with, like, all the heroes we're going to talk about in a second. And there's a whole bunch of new minions. Demons got an entire rework as how they work as a, as a minion type. We've got a whole bunch of new minions and things. So, I mean, it was, it was also hard to guess because you're, like, you and everyone else are learning, right? So, they might have made picks that you're like, they'd never pick that. And then you're like, oh, they picked that. Shit. <laughs> yep. But uh, one of my favorite heroes got a rework. Um, I used to love Rakanishu. And now I look at it and I'm like, I don't know if you ever do this. <laughs> like, it was so nice to have like a like it was two gold. So it was it was expensive. But 
you knew exactly what you were getting and you could put your like hero's power level into whatever minion you wanted, regardless of, you know, what tier it was. And I don't know. I'm sure that that probably maybe created some design space issues. Who knows? Because I know we've seen some very powerful uh, tier one minions and tier two minions even that have caused some problems in the past. So maybe being able to target any minion with a buff that's like plus four, plus four, plus five, plus five was a problem. I don't know. But uh, now instead of giving a friendly minion stats equal to your tavern tier, you give a minion stats equal to its tavern tier. Um, they did remove friendly, so you can target the tavern, though I don't know why. You, I guess maybe you could target the tavern and then eat it with a demon. <laughs> or freeze <laughs> but, it or um, something, yeah. Or freeze it, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. But there, there must be some sort of benefit to being able to target the tavern. Um, it's only one gold, so it's one gold instead of two gold, which is good. It means you can use it more often, potentially. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I like this change. It's half the price, right? Like, so it is half the something price, that yeah. you did today, Joss. Something that you did today, Chroma Wing. You can no yes. longer give Chroma <laughs> Wing more than plus one, plus one. Yeah, and that honestly, that was the first thing that came into my head. Is I was like, they probably did this because of Chroma Wing. <laughs> so many fun things have died because of Chroma Wing. <laughs> Chroma Wing and or um, the little demon guy that just moved to Tavern Tier Two. Um, that uh, Death Rattle gives health. Yes, uh, the trickster. The something imp, yeah. <laughs> but I think, so, I think it just gets rid of broken things in many cases. They removed kooky chemists, but also uh, they, this, this makes it less broken with amalgam, makes it less broken with trickster, makes it less broken with chroma wing, but it makes it really good with faux reaver. Makes it really good. Like your your tier sixes. Well, yeah, but I could have already those. like I could have already targeted Faux Reaver, right? Like I could have I probably would have been buying him and then giving him plus five plus five or plus six plus six, depending on if it was a triple or if I was actually buying him generically from the tavern, right? So right. So now it's half the price. They reward you for doing the thing and the cool late game minion, and they don't reward you for cheesing with a tier one or tier two. But I like cheese. Uh, okay, we all like cheese here. Trust me. Trust me. You know I like cheese. We all like cheese. That's true. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, uh, don't add us on Twitter if you don't like cheese. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone who's lactose intolerant right now going, I don't like cheese. <laughs> lactose intolerant is actually a punishment because they do like cheese. They can't have it. Oh, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, so Rakanishu was... Uh, was changed in a way that makes me a little bit sad but i understand the reasons behind it um i wanted to talk about arana starseeker we're not going to go through each and every single hero you guys can go check out the patch notes but um arana got a rework so her spectral sight uh still passive but instead of having a condition on it bob's tavern just always replenishes the seven minions and the really interesting thing about that is if you buy a minion you don't have to refresh the tavern you buy a minion and then there's just another minion that pops up. So Bob's Tavern just always has seven minions. That seems really strong. And I want to see how she does kind of over the next couple of weeks as the meta settles down around quests and new minions and stuff. Because I feel like this this just seems bonkers. Like from the start of the game and always without a refresh, you have seven minions. That seems really powerful. So 
I don't know how she's doing. I'm not really sure. Uh, there are some quest rewards that set you up for re-rolling. There are some, like, this sounds goofy. From the initial HS replay stats, she's still in tier four, but she's not last. Yay! She did yes. it! <laughs> Crawled her way up from the bottom. <laughs> and she's popular, right? People have always liked Arana, even though she's not really that great. Uh, mm-hmm. But they've always yeah, she's liked not, her. I feel like she's never been game-breaking, right? And every time I see her and every time they buff her, I'm always like, okay, now's the time. <laughs> she's finally going to be crazy good. And uh, I mean, like, I've, I've definitely played her before when you like the when the strategy was like, just refresh your first two turns and don't do anything else. Oh, <laughs> like, the party rock strategy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I love party rock in anyways. I will do that on any hero, even if it's not the best hero for the job. I don't care um, if you offer me the party rock situation. It's happening. We're actually we're not live streaming this week because Josh party rock too hard. I party rock too hard with my butt. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, every time I look at her and every time she gets buffed, I always think that like having the choice of seven minions and and particularly with the fact that when you buy a minion, it's going to put another minion behind it so you can never diminish your tavern without ever having to refresh that just seems like it would be strong and powerful to have that many choices and that many options without having to, you know, spend gold to reroll. But you're right. There are a lot of quest rewards that either revolve around your sorry, quests or rewards that revolve around refreshing somehow, either, you know, making it so that you want to refresh to finish your quest or you want to um, or like you get free refreshes and stuff like that. Like you get some sort of a bonus when you refresh as a reward. So I'm trying to think of which one that is. Uh, the the teal tiger sapphire minions in Bob's tavern have plus one plus one for each time it was refreshed this turn. That's the reward oh, I was yeah. thinking of. Yeah, that. So you want to be refreshing. And there's mirror shield too, which every time you reroll, it gives a minion in the tavern plus four plus four in a bubble. Right. Um, right. Really powerful and tends to come online pretty quickly. So rerolls are good there too. Teal teal uh something something sapphire. I don't know this the name. Teal something. Teal, teal Tiger Sapphire. Teal Tiger Sapphire. Um, it seemed pretty hard to use, but I would guess that the the dream here is like you get refreshing elemental online, and you just like roll and buff and roll and buff and roll and buff. But that entire tribe is already yeah. about shop buffs. This one I have not really seen in action very much. I don't know how commonly it's picked. It seems like one of the least popular rewards so far, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Um, but yeah, so so Arana's rework, I'm I'm interested to see kind of like how how where she ends up shaking out after a little while because I feel like she's been near the bottom for a really long time. So maybe people are are picking more reliable heroes, better known heroes. I don't know how to phrase that in a nice way to Arana, but more successful heroes. <laughs> yeah, as uh, heroes that win more and lose less. Yeah. Yeah, those ones, those ones. People are sticking with those instead of giving Arana a chance. Well, no, they're picking her. She's popular. Oh, she, oh, <laughs> she just fails. That's too bad, Arana. In terms Arana. of heroes that she's better than now, looking at HSR data, top 50% uh, since the patch, very limited sample size. She's winning more than Denathrius, even though Denathrius is super popular. 
He's winning more than George. About the same. Ooh. But, but these heroes are near the bottom. Dance and Daryl, near the bottom. Uh, Patches, near the bottom. Galacron, too. It's a very small sample size, but it's interesting to see what's actually working. But these synergy heroes that reward you for doing a specific tribal thing or just like brute force economy are what are doing well right now. Um, whereas mm. the finicky heroes that take a little bit more work or let you manipulate the shop just aren't doing quite as much. Um, it's much more about, you know, your Ysera and Flurgle are the best in the game. Murloc Holmes way up there. Togwaggle way up there. Bunch of free stuff. Cookie is up there. Yeah. Bunch of free stuff. Gale Wing's up there. Bunch of free stuff. Alex Draza. <laughs> Bunch of free dragons. Alec here. Bunch of free keywords. You get the idea. Yeah. So we should talk about Flurgle because Flurgle was also redesigned in this patch. Um, so now your passive hero power is after you sell four minions, you get a random Murloc. So no more discovering. Yes. It's just they just give you a random Murloc. But Murlocs seem really good right now. So like this is still mm-hmm. fine. To get a well, free the Murloc. only tribe in the game, and and this has been that way for a while. The only tribe in the game that can get poison, right? So, well, there are amalgams, but yes, um, it is it is the only tribe that like actively gets poison on multiple minions on purpose. It takes a little while, but it is definitely good, uh, especially with. So remember how I said mirror shield earlier about giving yes. random minions in the shop divine shield. Turns out when uh, Murlocs are what you're giving divine shield. Remember Gentle Megasaur? You can kind of do that now. Yes. It's more work, but still powerful. <laughs> but it's still doable, yeah. The first game I played today that I got a, an easy first in, there is an interaction I think is broken in a couple different ways. So uh, the quest reward, another hidden body. It's the only repeatable quest reward mm. that after you do the conditions of the quest, you discover a minion of your current tavern tier, but it can be repeated endlessly. Once you fulfill the quest conditions, the quest condition that I had was play three Murlocs or I think it was dragons. It doesn't so, even matter what the other thing is. <laughs> right. So every three Murlocs I played, I would discover if that discover was a Murloc that counted towards the next thing. Right. So when I got a primal fin lookout, that was with a, I had a golden brand because I kept discovering fives with a primal fin lookout. That is somewhere in the neighborhood of like 12 minions for one Primal Fin Lookout. Because you discover three Murlocs. Every three Murlocs gets you another Discover. And if those are Discover, you keep on going. And you just keep going and going and going. Can't really run out of money. As you're selling, if you're Flurgal, as you're selling those minions and going through the battle cries and stuff, you're also getting random Murlocs every four times you sell. Like, that's a pretty good play style pattern plan. It's, it was busted, and it turns out <laughs> the actual... I'm trying to be, like, so calm and collected about all of this, and I'm just like, you know, that seems like a good game plan. Hat's just, it's busted. I was like, okay, we're, we're going that way 24 hours after the patch. Got it. <laughs> it's three minions, and you get it back, but also the thing that is holding it in check, the animation speed. Another hidden body... <laughs> is 10 full seconds to get the minion because it does the full quest completion animation. Then the discover pop-up. I ran out of time every single turn. Every single turn. Still won the lobby easily. But 
And it's something that they're, the team's aware of it. They're working on it. They need a client patch to fix it. I'm not sure when that'll happen. My guess would be 0.4, which means we've got a few weeks of this. So don't do APM Pirates with another hidden body. But it like when I end the game with Golden Brand and I think it was uh, two Golden Merc Eyes or whatever. When I end the game like that, easy first place in like my first lobby of the day. If I can do that, it must be broken. I thought you were going to say, if I can do that, you too can, listener. Well, that that goes without saying. But yeah, it seems very powerful, so do it while you can. Yeah, you mentioned Galewing um, as as one of the, the bunch of free stuffers. Um, Galewing also got a, a change, I guess a, a half buff. <laughs> so Galewing is a really interesting hero, right? Because um, you have to choose your flight path, which means like, Every time your flight path completes, you push the hero power button again and you get to do something else and it takes the the different amount of turns. So turn the three turn reward on the hero power has not changed. That's the one where you get to discover a minion from your tavern tier every three turns. The ones that did change are the other two thirds of that hero power, which is the uh, Westfall, which is the one turn. Uh, that gives your leftmost minion plus two attack. Now it's plus two plus one. And then Eastern Plague Lands, which is the five turns that makes your next Tavern tier upgrade. Uh, used to be five less. Now it's six less. So you get, you know, one, one more bonus gold. Um, I don't think that I would make any other change to the way that I play. Like, I'm still going to choose the three turn one. Give me a free minion. Um do you think these buffs are good enough to, to work? So Galewing's really good right now. Uh, like, it's really strong. So I was picking the tier up one, and I was like, maybe it's good now. Then I went to HS Replay and looked at when the first place players are pressing the button. Just get a minion every three turns. You'll be fine. <laughs> Just get the minion. I feel like the only time that I choose anything other than the get a free minion is when I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to be in the game for three more turns, whether I'm going to be, you know, winning the lobby or like coming to the end of the lobby or getting knocked out, whatever the reason. If I don't think I'm going to make it three turns from now, then I'll choose the one turn option just so I'm getting something. Um, But yeah, that's the only time is when I think that there's one or two turns left in the entire lobby for me. Yep. Um, I mean, just get a free minute every three turns. It's it's good. It's good to do right now. It's winning lobbies. Just a bonus free minion is really great, especially when I think this is a three on three meta where I will uh, level on four gold and then sell level on five gold. And that means that your discovery mm-hmm. is getting you a tier three. Yes. Yeah, that's that's how I play Galewing too. And there's there's quite a lot of heroes, you're right, that do that same sort of thing. And it feels like especially where we like given the timing on those quests, it very much feels like a good way to play right now is to go into the quest at that higher tavern tier so that you can make the best quest choice and then buy two powerful minions to help you get that quest reward that much quicker. So I agree right now it feels like a a three on three meta and I'm a fan of doing big things. I'm a fan of power leveling. So um, this has always been the way I've enjoyed playing Battlegrounds. I'm glad that staying on one isn't really the the way to go anymore. Yes, uh, I I have not seen the the warrior curve, the the double level on I think seven gold. I haven't seen that at all, uh, and I haven't done it at all myself either. 
It's, I, was know, just, I did it one time bad. today because you Sarah things and I yeah yeah you Sarah that was Sarah stupid. She's an outlier. I think she's not a, a way to play the game. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't count. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you play her game her way and then you win. Yeah, yeah. I I did. I won that lobby too, and I had no business winning that lobby. <laughs> uh, we also got some changes to minions slash new minions. Um, we talked a lot about demons last week. I haven't had a chance to play a demon game yet. I've had a couple of demons in my lobbies, but it was never kind of offered to me. And it's probably because a lot of people want to play with the new hotness. So um, but they're doing the like manipulate the tavern. So whether you are giving um, different stats to to the tavern or eating stuff out of the tavern or, you know, like doing stuff like that, there's a lot of tavern based minion manipulation. That's really interesting. But uh have you had a chance to play with demons yet or? Yes. No. I like you demons. Have. Okay. How does, it, how does it feel as a new kind of like um, minion type strategy? So I think Legion Overseer, the tier three, four, four that gives all minions in Bob's Tavern plus two, plus two. I think that's just a good card. It's interesting, but it's also just powerful because the minions that you buy keep the buff. So yes, all your yeah, stuff that, just that has seems like- plus two, plus two. Yeah, that seems like whether you're demons or not, you should just be taking that minion if it's offered. It's it's at that point in the game at Tavern Tier 3, especially like we just talked about the three-on-three three meta. If you get it offered in Tavern Tier 3, that's a really important part of the game to be getting plus two, plus two. Obviously, it gets worse over time as things start to scale. But like if you're talking turn four and five and six, then plus two, plus two is pretty good. It's... If you three on three, right, uh, buy something, doesn't matter what it is, on turn one, level on turn two, sell level on three. If you buy, I know this is this is a best case scenario, but if you buy Legion Overseer and then a, a Bronze Warden, a 4-3 Bronze Warden, when's the next combat you're going to lose? You got some time ahead of you before you lose a combat. I could very easily see this minion being plus one, plus one, and the golden is plus two, plus two, it's still being good. Yeah. Well, I mean, because spawn is also really good, right? And that's just a plus one, plus one board wide buff, right? So if you're just doing plus one, plus one, and you're, but you're impacting everything you buy and it's stats that just stay there, um, and you don't have to take up a, I guess you're taking up a spot on your board with the, with the demon, but you're not taking up a spot on the board with the two, two that you want to die. <laughs> you know, it just, it seems like you can buff up your overseer and yeah. It's just in general, it just seems like a really powerful minion. I can definitely agree there. Have you had a chance to play with Elise yet? I had her offered a couple times. I didn't pick her because I didn't know what the golden monkey was. <laughs> so I have seen people play with Elise. The golden monkey is just a golden that's in the tavern. That's a 6-6 six, six taunt, I think. Yes, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a 6-6 six, six taunt. It's, it's golden. So you get the reward for a golden when you play it on your side of the board. So you have to buy it out of the tavern, but... When you play it, you get the triple reward. Triple reward. Yep. Um, I don't like rolling that much, but I've seen people do it. No idea if it's good or not. My instinct is no, but I that's not based on anything other than I would rather buy stuff than roll. Mm-hmm. It is a tavern tier four, so I feel like this is going to go along with any other refresh strategy where, like, especially with elementals, it's really strong. If you get the refreshing elemental online, then you can get your refreshes for free and then just the fifth time you do it you're doing it anyways you end up finding a golden minion and then you can get something from tier five or tier six and 
it is a bit of a power spike, but that's also a very specific um, situation, right? So, yeah. Would you spend eight gold for a random golden? Like, is yeah. that a deal that you want to take? I think most of the time you usually don't, but yeah. it's a deal that is available to you. Well, and it's guaranteed, right? I feel like there are a lot of times where I have spent more than eight gold trying to find a triple, a very specific triple, but still trying to find a triple and haven't found it and like super, super frustrating. So yeah, I can I can see the design space they're trying to fill with Elise. And she's in all, she doesn't have a, a minion type, so she's in all taverns, uh, same as Rendell, same as uh, Tortol and Blue Shell, and same as uh, Tea Master Theatar. So um, one other one I did want to mention is the Tortol and Blue Shell. Uh, really kind of interesting design. Tavern Tier 5 minion, uh, four seven. And if you lost your last combat, the minion sells for five gold. You don't have to control the minion when you lose the combat. So if you just see if you lost your last combat and you see it in the tavern, you should just buy it because then you can sell it for five. So it's like a bonus two gold. Do you get the it's reference? A, this is uh yes. <laughs> this is very much a catch-up mechanic. Just like the blue shell in Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah, I love this so much. And yeah. <laughs> speaking of little details, if you roll into it, it has a little animation. It makes a little gold coin sound. So it tells oh, you. Oh, interesting. Hey, I knew. I noticed like when this. I when I put it into my hand, it had like the golden outline. Like, hey, I'm yeah. active. Yeah. <laughs> so in the tavern, there's a very slight coin animation and a coin sound to draw oh. your attention. So. There have been a few taverns where, like, I roll and I hit one of these. I buy it. I sell it. I keep rolling. I see another one. I buy it. I sell it. You can keep going for quite some time using uh, the blue shells and the gamblers and whatever. You can just keep going. So mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting that it lets you have APM turns even if you're not playing an APM class. It's just a nice little catch-up mechanic. Like you said, You, if you lost, you get a couple extra gold. It's like the snail in Super Auto Pets. Same thing. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> it's it's a cute little auto battler game. It's fun. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we talked about Toxin coming back. Um, SI7 is gone as a result. So Murlocs can still do poison. Uh, it's one at a time targeted and you have to find the Toxin. Although I will say, I don't seem to see any Murloc players having trouble finding the Toxin and getting a full board full of poison. So I'm not really sure what the balance is and i know you are of the opinion and i think that you're right that poison needs to be in the game because the lobbies where murlocs aren't things get out of control yeah it's if you're in a lobby without murlocs and your opponent gets a runaway dragon elemental pirate whatever board um if they're ahead of you and you both improve at the same level then you are not going to catch up it is not possible and you can buy a bunch of mantid queens and hope for like a, a Lee Rice. <laughs> right. You can hope for a really niche scenario, and there are some anti-scaling things in the lobby, but if you're behind, you're just going to lose because the tools are not efficient enough. Now, Toxin may be too efficient. It's possible because it definitely changed the lobbies it's in that it's not. But SI7 was more frustrating both as the owner when it got sniped and playing against it when they only needed one thing to have an entire full board of poison murlocs pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So I prefer Toxin, and you need to have poison accessible somehow. Is this too accessible? Possible. Is it exacerbated by other stuff? Possible. Are Murlocs too good? I have no idea. With Flurgle, they probably are. In general, unclear if they are, but they might be. They're doing very well right now. 
And something to remember when you look at data sites like HS Replay, things like dragons and murlocs that come online late, quite often the stats are inflated a little bit because you don't see the people that had three dragons or three murlocs and then died. You only see the people with first place boards. They don't count as murlocs until they have the murlocs. Mm -hmm. But murlocs are averaging, again, last one day, uh, under fourth place, 3.87. Now, they're not the best. That would be beasts. Uh, But, you know, beasts are another one where they, once they come online on tier six, then you've got, you know, your baron, your macaw, your your goldren, your mama bear, whatever. I was going to say, is it like Mama Bear Goldrin or is it Leapers? <laughs> Which kind of beasts are we talking about? Leapers are more popular and worse. Yeah, that sounds correct. <laughs> it's, so it's, it's a typical statistical bias where it's a recognition thing, where in some of these comps, it only recognizes them when they're winning. So they'll be inflated in terms of performance. I don't know if Murlocs is in that boat or not. Because I do know they're they're separating out Leapfrogger and Goldrim Beast, which means there are probably a lot of games where they're in between the two and then they just die. Like the Leapfrogger comp has a Goldrim in it on the website. Oh, okay. So hard to say what's actually going on there. Either way, Toxin's back. Sefin was a worse gameplay experience, I promise. But you're still going to die to Poison Murloc sometimes. Still absolutely mm-hmm. going to happen. Uh, and one other, there were a whole bunch of minions that have been removed from the pool. Again, go check out the blog post for the full list. But um, Kooky Chemist is one that I'm kind of surprised it got introduced in the first place just because of, you know, how Kooky Chemist makes things permanent that maybe aren't meant to be. Um, and that's the way things have always worked in Hearthstone, even on the constructed side of things. Um, like when you when you swap temporary stats, they stay they stay swapped they still exist um even when whatever is giving the buff goes away and so kooky chemist had a lot of crazy stuff going on particularly with naga so like you could do a whole bunch of stuff you could put on a whole bunch of temporary um i'm totally blanking on the mechanic name now um spellcraft that's meant to go away um and you know you basically were able to kind of almost like do the Terragosa effect and make it permanent uh, just by swapping stats with Kooky Chemist. So um, I, I understand why it was taken away. I don't really know why it was introduced in the first place with Naga, but um, yeah, it's gone now. So now the only way to do that kind of shenanigans is uh, Vulgin. Yep, it's it was an experiment. I, I'm glad they concluded it. It was just It was just too weird. It just exploited too much of what BGs was about, and it prevented them from doing too many cool things. Uh, so I'm glad that they decided, hey, we're we're done here. Yeah, one hero being able to do it feels like a cool interaction with a specific hero power. But when you have a neutral minion that's in every lobby that can, you know, make these kind of weird things happen and it doesn't matter what tribe is in there. It, like if you've got Naga, you can do broken stuff that that doesn't feel great, in my opinion. Yep, I uh, I'm I'm glad that they moved on from this and let us do normal wacky things instead of kooky wacky things exactly uh well let's do something kooky and wacky right now and uh, take a moment to thank one of our sponsors before we head into the big hearthstone news that i know you guys all want to hear 
Today's episode of The Angry Chicken is sponsored by Honey. And speaking of Honey, my Honey's birthday is coming up this week. Of course, I left shopping to the last minute, so I popped online to find a gift. I wasn't sure what I was going to land on, so of course I didn't have promo codes ready to go. I didn't even know what I was going to buy. Thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is a free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. It supports over 30,000 stores online, ranging from tech and gaming products to popular fashion brands and even food delivery. Imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites. When you check out, the Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click Apply Coupons. You wait a few seconds as Honey searches for coupons it can find for the site, and if it finds a working coupon, you'll watch prices drop. I was able to get a discount from a local board game store and save $15 on Matt's birthday present, as well as get free shipping. I was really surprised that they had codes for stores that aren't chains and that are located in Canada. I never would have thought to look for a discount code if it wasn't for Honey. And Honey doesn't just work on desktop, it works on your iPhone too. Just activate it on Safari on your phone and save on the go. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out. It's literally free and installed in just a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting the show. I'd never recommend something I don't use. So get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash TAC. That's joinhoney.com slash T-A-C. Thanks for supporting the brands that support the Angry Chicken. And now let's go to the news. Good news, everyone. So we do have news in Hearthstone outside of BGs. So patch uh, 24.2 was not all about Battlegrounds. So it was mostly about Battlegrounds. But all people are talking about, I think rightfully so, is runestones. Runestones are officially here. We now know what the bundles look like. We know what the costs are like in the store. And it's not great. It really honestly killed a lot of my hype for this patch. I have since kind of like move past it and and played a bunch of lobbies had a lot of fun quests are great but when this first came out yesterday this is the first thing that i went to go look at because this was the big question right is like how is hearthstone going to monetize with runestones and my situation i think is a little bit different than what's going on for people who actually live in the states because since I have a foreign currency thing going on, the price or like the the value of a runestone is different depending on what bundle I buy. And it is fractions of a cent per runestone. But the fact that I even have to think about it just really sucks. <laughs> like it just killed my joy yesterday. <laughs> And this is the case also for every foreign currency that I've seen discussed, but they're all different in terms of which bundle is the best for your currency. Saddle was talking about how uh, in British pounds, the 500 runestone bundle, which is 399 great British pounds, easily the best value, underpriced by you know a, a decent margin, saves you a good bit of money. For you, it's the 1000 runestone bundle. Yeah, so it's and it's kind of by by a pretty large margin. Um, the other bundles cost like an extra half a cent per runestone. And again, like it's it's I know it's it's not even nickel and diming like it is half of a penny. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's not a huge uh, I don't want to say it's not a huge deal because 
when it really comes down to it, like you should use your money in the most efficient way possible. And I can't even tell you guys how much I effing hate the fact that I even had to think about this on a patch day. Like this sucked. And it's the kind of thing that I my brain is conditioned to think a different way by every other mobile game on the market. So any other game that I play that has premium currency, including Heroes of the Storm, um, they had bundles where the bigger the bundle you bought, the better it was for your money. Like you would get, you know, 10, 15, 20, whatever percent extra premium currency if you gave them $150 at a time. So my brain by all these other games has been conditioned to buy the biggest bundle. If I just went and spent, you know, 65 or $100 on like either 5,000 or 8,000 runestones, those are two of the worst bundles on a per runestone price point. Like, if they were going to make it, like, if they were going to make me think about this, like, I, I, I wish that they would have, like, made it work in a way that my, uh, the consumer's brain already worked. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think they did it on purpose, but this feels super shitty now that I've realized it. And the only reason I realized it is because of Soddle's tweet. Like, I didn't look at it that closely at first. And then when he started talking about the actual math around foreign currencies, I was like, damn, I actually am getting screwed. And the thing that sucks for me specifically versus him with his Great British Pounds is for him, the smallest bundle is the best purchase for him. For me, I'm getting into the problem where the thousand runestones is the best purchase for me. So if there's stuff that's like the um, in my shop, I had the mini golden standard bundle, which was twenty five hundred runestones. Now I'm getting into the I can't even buy exactly the number that I need. I need to buy three thousand runestones to spend twenty five hundred. And then I've got these five hundred just sitting around. So at least Soddle's best option is the cheapest option. So he can just like it's a pain. <laughs> you have to do like a whole bunch of transactions, but at least he's able to get the amount that he needs or close to. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but for me, I have to buy them in groups of a thousand. So anything that isn't a multiple of a thousand, I'm going to end up with this weird premium currency balance. It's this is it's complex because they tried to make it simple. And maybe that's the worst part, because what we're used to as well when it comes to virtual currencies, it's like you said, they layer it on thick in every other mobile game I've played and every other game with a virtual currency I've played where they they put fireworks and, and rainbows over the biggest bundle and they give you a yeah. bunch of extra <laughs> stuff and they're like, we want you to buy this because it's the best deal for you, wink, wink. And then you have this giant pile of currency in your account. That's not what Hearthstone tried to do. Hearthstone tried yeah. to do direct one-to-one conversion with an American dollar and 100 runestones. As close as possible, no extras. If they want to give you extra stuff, they'll do it in the bundle itself. They don't want you to have to think about it. If you are an American paying American dollars, it's pretty close to that. There are still some issues, which we'll talk about, but they are relatively minor. However, by trying to make it simple, what they did with runestones in general, in other currencies, was try and get as close as possible to an even amount, and then round the price down a little bit 
so the person never has to pay extra compared to the American price. But this means when they round down, whatever is just the right amount, the most rounded down is the one you want to buy. And you have to figure that out if you want to get the best value for your dollar. So the way to fix this is probably add a few extra runestones per bundle, but that's a lot more work for them because that means you have different runestone amounts per country. And what they want to do is just have different prices for the same bundles so you don't have to have a bunch of different products floating around based on which currency you're in. Well, yeah, because now no matter what your currency is, like the golden standard bundle is going to be 5,000 runestones regardless of where you are. That's the whole point, right? I would think like... Before, it used to be like we we used to struggle so much when we talk about pricing on the show because my price was always different than your price. And it was just like, okay, well, wait, was is that a good price this month? Like, what's the exchange rate? And it gets really sticky. (laughs) And I feel like those conversations are still there. But because of runestones, we're even one step further back. You know, there's there's even more things to consider now. And it it kind of it just really sucks. And and I don't love it. But yeah, like what you should pay a mini set. $14.99 US dollars will get you 1,500 runestones. You should pay $19.73 for that amount of runestones. Instead, the price for 1,500 runestones is $18.99. You get a 74 cent discount over us, but what you should do is actually buy the 1,000 runestone bundle and the 500 runestone bundle, and then you get a slightly larger discount. Yeah, then I get a whole dollar off because um yeah, the adding the two it comes out to 1875 or 1874. So I get a full dollar off of 1500 runestones if I buy 500 and 1000, which is just like why? <laughs> yeah. So I don't believe this is intentional like you said, but is that better or worse? We kind of all like foreign currencies and hearthstone prices have never really been great. And like you said, it's been a complicated conversation, but adding a layer of conversion has been complicated. Yeah, I loved when I could just choose to buy things in American dollars because my PayPal is in American dollars. So I could just say, like, I knew exactly what I was spending from my USD account. Like, it was easy for me. Um, When they introduced the foreign currency and you had to use the currency from your country that, oh, man, I I started spending a lot more money on Hearthstone just because there was a a premium there. Um, So, yeah, I don't I know that they're like I know it's a sticky situation. I know it's difficult, but like it just sucks that it's one more thing I have to think about now. And they did end up doing we've alluded to it a little bit. They did end up doing the thing that we had hoped that they wouldn't do. And and Hat and I had a really interesting conversation about this yesterday, actually, because we never actually had a set known value for one Battlegrounds hero skin. So when the patch came out, the cheapest bundle was 500 runestones and BG skins were 150 it feels worse having cheaper hero skins, like having the hero skins be given this price because this is exactly what I was worried about. And what a lot of people were worried about is that the BG skins were not going to divide equally into the cheapest bundle, which leaves you with leftover runestones. Therefore, in order, like by the time you're getting to an even number, you have to buy 1500 runestones to get 10 BG skins. To, to get back to a zero balance again. And that feels awful. So like it would have felt better if the BG skins were 250. So you basically got like two skins for the cheapest bundle. That would have felt less predatory. 
which is a crazy thing to say that like if you made this more expensive it would feel better <laughs> it's like, it's so complicated it's too but like, to, so to talk through it a little bit and to be fair i think a the equivalent of a dollar fifty for a single skin i think is a perfectly reasonable price point it's actually cheaper than i thought they were going to do i was going to assume well, two dollars thing yeah I was going to assume two or two fifty was was so. I mean, like, I also would have been fine paying two or two fifty. Um, so, or like, I guess a better example would be if they charged a hundred runestones, which then feels incredibly cheap. But again, would divide equally into the cheapest bundle, and that feeling, that perception pain point where you're giving Blizzard more money than they're asking for. And so therefore you have this like balance that stays there that used to just be your real money that you would just pay like cent for cent, dollar for dollar to Blizzard for a thing. And then you both walked away and there was nothing remaining between the two parties. That situation doesn't exist anymore. And that's the part that feels really bad and feels like they're trying to take advantage of us, even though they're giving us skins for cheap, right? <laughs> yeah. That's not where my pain point is with it. It's so I'll talk through my behaviors first and then I'll talk through okay. where I think the perceived concern, like not perceived, uh, legitimate concern is. Um, I view this as I took $5. I put it into $5 in runestones in the game. I said, this is $5 for three skins. I know there's a 50 cent difference. I think $5 for three skins that I'll buy eventually is fine. I'm writing off this $5. I'm going to buy Delivery Daryl right now because he is adorable and I like his little hat and I like his little <laughs> envelope and it's fine. And then I just left the, the remaining uh, $3.50 in my account. There will be skins that I will buy when I have runestones and I want that. I will click buy. If I don't have enough, I will put another $5 and I will keep doing this for as long as I want skins. And at some point, I will be writing off some amount below $5 I can write off an amount below $5. I don't feel like that is the amount of money that I need to worry about, that I need to stress my life over. However, right. Fair. however, the thing that, uh, that uh, is a reasonable concern, there are a bunch of them. I think your concern is reasonable. I'm not, I'm not trying to say you're being unreasonable. Um, <laughs> when you have a small balance left over, it is the psychological effect there is dissociating your money with the purchase and also encouraging you to just top up a little more because it's not about the $5, that extra 50. It's not about even getting it to zero. It's about saying, well, I'm part of the way there towards the next one already. So I'll throw another five bucks in. It's not even about the product. It's about the perpetuity of behavior of re-upping your balance disconnects how much money you spent in total from the products that you're acquiring. So if you set to zero and it was discrete purchase, you would say, I'm buying $5 now, I'm getting these two skins right now, that's what I'm doing. But instead it is attempting to disconnect your money and your runestones and then the stuff. That layer of yeah. obfuscation in between, I don't know if I want to use the word predatory, but I'm going to say it It allows for uh, human behavior to do human behavior-y things, which usually means buying stuff without thinking about it too much. Well, yeah, and so the reason that we, or at least the reason that I refer to that as predatory is because companies know that. Companies know yeah. how the psychology of our brain works and they make these decisions to get us stuck in this cycle. And we talked a little bit about this last week. It gets you stuck in that cycle of, you know, purchasing more of their virtual currency. And especially where we're talking about Hearthstone, which is a game that has had straight up real money transactions and purchases for the entirety of its eight plus years, 
So it feels like even worse than if it had launched like this, because, you know, like we've gotten used to knowing exactly how much things cost and how much, you know, our currency is worth. And all of a sudden it's being hidden from us. (laughs) And and like I say, I call it predatory because this isn't news to them. <laughs> like, yeah. th- this isn't news to anyone. This is exactly why companies make these decisions is because they want, like you said, humans to do human things. <laughs> like, they know what we're going to yeah. do, guys. They know. <laughs> I'm going to assume that this was drawn out with a bunch of formulas and graphs, and there was a PowerPoint about it. And again, to be fair, I think that three skins for $5 is a better deal for BG stuff than they have had before. It's a la carte. I get to pick what I want to do, and it's $5 at a time. And it is it is not like a huge amount of money for cosmetics compared to some of these $30 mm-hmm. bundles. I think we're able to get skins for cheaper if we want them and then not buy the skins we don't want. Just this layer in between with the sloppiness around currency conversion and the specific breakpoints here, it's a, it's, it is hard to defend and hard to justify outside of they clearly needed to make more money. They yeah. very clearly needed to make more money. Don't know if it's related to the acquisition. Don't know if it's related to the Blizzard stuff in general and Hearthstone having to bail out the ship. Whatever. I don't know what's going on. It doesn't really matter. The fact of the matter is that it is going on. The behind-the-scenes yeah. reason doesn't matter. Well, I mean, it, it matters to them clearly because they need more money. And the reality is... The game's still fun. We're still going to play it. We're still going to talk about it. But when someone brings this up, we're going to sigh heavily and our shoulders are going to sag a little bit more and we're going to say, yeah, I know. And that's all you can really do. Like, I can say plenty of positive things about quests. I can talk about the positive sign here. But then this economic decision, it's not It's not out of nowhere. It's not even surprising. I just, I was hoping that they wouldn't have to do this or didn't feel like they had to do this. And now they do. And it just makes those complaints about the game's economy just uh, ever so slightly more valid again. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, They did do a couple more things as well in this update. They updated the leaderboards. So uh, standard wild classic Bee Gees and Mercs Rip Arena now have live updates. And all players who make it to legend rank are listed on these leaderboards. So it's basically just everybody and i think for bgs it is everybody <laughs> yes. i mean it was it, like i was kind of funny i was seeing tweets of people saying like hey i'm on the leaderboard and it was like position fifteen thousand or something <laughs> i made it mom look at me <laughs> it's i think i saw it go down to like on some servers there were over two hundred thousand people oh my god uh, <laughs> Let me wait. Hold on. I'm going to look and see if the if the leaderboards are still up. I'm so sure America's, it's updated since then. America's but. goes to the top 172,374. Uh, Europe it goes to the top 386,219 players. Wow. So every single player is listed there. There's no search function. <laughs> so <laughs> which you... makes it the fact that people actually found their names in like position whatever thousand and a billion somewhere in the middle of all these pages like the fact that people found themselves that's some dedication it's 15,449 pages in europe wow so, good luck that's a lot of clicks and control f's <laughs> so yeah it's uh by the way i was i look i went to the last page 
to see how many places there were, I found one of my favorite usernames ever. Do you want to hear it? I do. Careful, though. I might report it. Prompt beef. <laughs> As opposed to delayed beef? This is, this is a very punctual meat. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I just alluded to one of the things. The other changes in this patch was just in-game reporting. So you can now report friends, current opponents, and past opponents. And I don't know what they have on the back end. But I can only imagine the number of reports they must get now. And they do say grounds for reporting are inappropriate names, inappropriate chats, and inappropriate gameplay. Inappropriate gameplay is an interesting one. I'm sure there's a lot of people who see rogue players playing Edwin and go, inappropriate! <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that is for win trading. That is my I'm theory. I'm sure. Well, like, if you're the win trader, don't you have to trade with a friend? So wouldn't you then not report each other? <laughs> but if someone is, like, is conceding a bunch to get their MMR low, and then you see an instant concession in High Legend or whatever, then you probably say, like, hey, take a look at this. Uh, okay. I was going to say, I have no idea how win trading works. I just assume Me neither. the trade part I, means Blizzard, there's two people. Blizzard, and... I don't know. I don't know, Blizzard. <laughs> Yeah, there's no worry about me when trading in High Legend. I never get there, so <laughs> they know not to investigate me. I don't have to hide anything. <laughs> Lately, I've been trading a lot of other players my wins. I've, I'm waiting for my turn. <laughs> when is it going to be my turn? Oh, I've been feeling and the same And now we're about to segue way. into the strategy section. Awkward. Hit it very hard. Wanna blow something up? Ha <laughs> <laughs> my... <laughs> Time to pay. No, it's perfect. <laughs> I absolutely love that segue because we're going to talk about why I have been failing to get wins in the last few weeks. So, uh, yeah, we're bringing back the strategy section. I'm really excited about this. We're going to talk not necessarily about meta decks, just um, whatever. Like if you guys want to send us stuff on Discord, you'd like us to play. Um I just want to talk about what I'm playing and get a little bit more in depth than we normally do off the top of the show. So we're going to be talking about Rogue this week. And mostly it's for me because <laughs> I need Hat to teach me how to do this. I have been trying so hard to learn Rogue and I find that there are just so many decision points. I feel like I always make the wrong one. And the stuff I do as a rogue never seems quite as powerful as the things that rogue players do against me. And I don't think that has anything to do with, you know, like our hands and draws and stuff like that. It's just that they have more experience. They're better decision makers. And this, at least to me, is a very difficult class. It's a very difficult deck. And a very difficult class. It's intimidating. You're intimidated. We've talked about so this <laughs> so many times. One of the first pieces of Joss content I ever consumed, Joss versus the world, where you got oh, co-op <laughs> coaching with Hotform, and you like interviewed him on Rogue. It was a Rogue interview. Like you, you had your notes, and you were taking you, you were writing stuff down with a pen and paper like it was back <laughs> in 2016 <laughs> it, i know crazy yeah uh back then we left the house sometimes boy don't miss those days crazy insane times um but like it's always been a thing where i mean talk me through your feelings on rogue because you have rogue feelings 
I do have rogue feelings. I, and I know like you're totally right. I am very intimidated by the class. I always feel like they do crazy things and I don't understand why they have a lot of mechanics that no other classes really necessarily take advantage of. Lots of stuff that has to do with like manipulating your hand, manipulating your deck. And, you know, like if I'm playing as most other classes that I tend to gravitate towards, so like Paladin, Hunter, even Mage, um, they don't kind of do stuff like that. They're a little bit more straightforward. They're often board based. I know Mage is, is more spell based, but, you know, like they they have their thing. They just cast their cards and Rogue seems to cast 18 cards to do one thing. And if you do them in the wrong order, then you screw up your one thing and then your game is over. So it feels like Rogue is very high pressure, at least to me. Yeah, it's it tends to be a class that I feel like you have to plan out the game pretty early on and figure out what am I going to do for the next three, four five turns how can I envision my game? Which is not a game? way that I play Hearthstone at all. Like, it yeah. really never has been. I find that, like, my play style and my decision-making skills, they're really good in the moment. Like, I can look at a hand in a board state and make the best decision for that turn. And then, you know, like, my opponent does some stuff, I draw a card, and then I have a new board state and a new puzzle to solve. And I never really think, you know, two, three, four turns ahead I just think, okay, what am I supposed to be doing on this turn, given these cards and this board and my opponent's health? Like, what is the most powerful thing I can do this turn? That's how I've always played and viewed Hearthstone. It's why some of the, just even some of the other trickier decks, like I, I know I really struggled with like even Handlock in really, really early, early Hearthstone. I struggled with that too, because it was like, you had very particular like removal tools and you had you did have a game plan, but it's like you had to be a little bit flexible, too. And like there were very specific weird things you were doing and you weren't just playing out whatever cards you had that were green. <laughs> and I know like it's a very kind of simplistic Hearthstone mindset. And I know I've been playing the game for years and years and years now, and I don't really have this excuse anymore. But when I first started playing Hearthstone, it was my very first card game. So... I kind of just learned a certain way and never really deviated from that too much. And because of the number of classes available in the game, there was always something viable to play with my play style, like with my knowledge. And so I never had to learn how to play rogue. So I never did learn how to play rogue. <laughs> and it's so different than than all the other classes. Yeah, it's. I think that there is some overlap somewhat with where Priest has been sometimes. Uh, I think Priest, especially the combo Priest decks, can be pretty similar in terms of how they do burst draw, burst damage. Um, I very much agree, and I feel like I never learned those either. When I got all of my Priest wins, I did that on decks like Spiteful Priest and Dragon Priest and things that played the way I was used to playing Hearthstone, not the super turkey combo stuff. And you know what else had a lot of burst damage and burst draw on day one of its release, Joss. What? <laughs> Demon Hunter. Oh, I see. <laughs> green Rogue. <laughs> Which it was Green Rogue, Which I definitely, right? definitely have feelings about Demon Hunter, and that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. 
Because if you look at Twin Slice really closely, you'll realize it's just two halves of an eviscerate taped together. It's mm. not really all that different. So when we're looking at these classes where you have the, a lot of setup, you have a lot of damage opportunity, but not infinite, both Rogue and Demon Hunter, like the generation of the of the classic Miracle Rogue decks is very minimal. There have been very generating Rogue decks since then the jackpot rogues or whatever, I didn't like those decks because they just made a bunch of goofy nonsense. They had to pay for it all. They wanted the game to go longer. That's not what I want as a rogue. I want the game to be over. Same with Demon Hunter. <laughs> same with the combo priest. I don't want to make a bunch of stuff. I want to use the stuff I have, draw it all, and then kill you with it. So these when, decks that are full of cheap cards that use them to do powerful things, they're also really, really punishing when you misuse the cards or when you don't plan for how you're going to use all of your resources. The way I think of it... Rogue tries to do a whole game's worth of stuff in about three turns, not the first three turns, and it doesn't want to get to the really late game, because most of the time with the Rogue decks, you line up 30 cards versus 30 cards, you play one card a turn, you're never going to win as the Rogue. Which is what I do, is I, like, I look at these turns, and I'm just like, okay, I've got, you know, my whole entire hand because everything costs, you know, like three mana or less. I've got my whole entire hand worth of options. Everything's green. I've got six or seven things to do. It's turn three. What am I supposed to do right now? And dagger up pass is probably the right thing, but I never, ever, ever do it because my Hearthstone brain is not trained that way. So I look at it and I look at what my opponent's done. They've got stuff on the board and I'm just like, oh, I better deal with that stuff because if I don't deal with that stuff, it's going to be out of control to, like tomorrow. It's going to be out of control on the next turn. I need to clear the board every turn and I need to use my resources and do that. And it's like, no, stop. Like, <laughs> I feel like I just need to start hitting the end turn button and not doing anything else just to teach myself that's okay. <laughs> well, and... It's complicated, too, because sometimes you do want to just do some stuff, and sometimes you want to wait until you can do a lot of stuff, and you got to know the difference, and it's not that mm -hmm. easy. Because if you look at all the value you can get out of every rogue card, every card is like combo or honorable kill or whatever. Like, do you save the tooth until you can kill a 2-3, or do you kill the 2-2 two -two right now? And most of the time, doing stuff and playing cards is the way to go. But it's not one card at a time, it's three or four at a time, and then do slightly less than you could do if you saved it off for this crazy wombo combo turn, but more than if you just did nothing now because you're waiting for the crazy wombo combo turn. Mm. It's, if we go back to classic Miracle Rogue, playing SI7 on turn three and saying go. That is the example of, like, you would do that all the time as a Rogue player if you knew what you're doing, but so many players would wait until they could get the combo, even if there was no minion in play and their opponent That's wasn't me. playing a minion deck. That's what I would do. <laughs> yeah, Wait until you get the combo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm, we're not here to give deck advice on a deck from 2013. We're here to give advice on a deck from 2022. No, we're just we're just giving some background on, yeah. on where where my brain is at with Rogue. Because I know that there's a lot of people who are going to look at this and be like, duh, play Edwin. Come on. like, <laughs> And so that is one of the big key cards here that's one of the the big changes we talked about when we talked about the patch that the balance patch that hit standard that may not have actually been changed had they realized there was a viable rogue deck that didn't really need the edwin boost um so this oh, yeah. is uh a huge, just huge before deal. the master's tour yeah or just after the master's tour sorry 
What I will say as a last moment is I think your experience is extremely common. Rogue, I, my theory is that Rogue is the most common last golden class. Mm. At least before Demon Hunter was released out of the original nine. Rogue is the only class I don't have at 60. Other than Demon Hunter. But like of the original classes, like I haven't even leveled my Rogue all the way to 60 yet. That is how far behind I am on Rogue. <laughs> I think I might have 150 wins. Maybe. So I I would guess that Priest is the most common either first class or last class, but Rogue is the most common just last class um, mm. because so many people try it and it doesn't land with them because it's so funky. It's so weird. Uh, it's It does distinctly play in a different fashion from every other class, I think, except for some Priest decks, some Demon Hunter decks. Those are the ones that tend to get close. Um, this is why I like Rogue. This is what I like about Rogue. That I get to do a bunch of stuff. That I get to decide when I'm getting the value, when I'm leaving it on the table. That I get to nickel and dime people for two damage, three damage, four damage, and then they just fall over and they don't know what happened. It's <laughs> it plays like aggro. It gets tricksy, uh, but like it doesn't have to be aggressive. And you can pull out wins out of nowhere. And it's really good at swing turns. That's what I like about it. So Edwin is the key card. Edwin is very very roguey because drawing a bunch of cards and making a minion that's too big for its cost and doing a bunch of stuff. That's that's where I want to live. They should put him back. He is way too good right now. <laughs> he is really good, yeah. At three mana, you shadow step him to one mana. That's busted. Can't do that. Can't do that. At four <laughs> mana and then a two mana after the shadow step, I cannot overstate how significant that reversion will be if they make it. Well, it's the difference between four and six mana, right? Like, that's yes. pretty big. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a very significant change. And also, uh, it's it prevents your entire, like we talk about setup. I will play Edwin on three and, and step him quite often now, and that's just not going to be a thing you can do anymore. So it disrupts your ability to set up your turns. Not just like, not just a single turn. The entire game is changed by the inefficiency there because the deck is super invested right now in playing Edwin on turn three if it has the option. Mm-hmm. Which I think is also definitely a mistake that I make is, is you know, either not counting how many cards that I've drawn uh, for my gnolls. So that's another piece of this is that um, you want to this is the the Maestra deck. So you start off as a random class and then as you're drawing your cards and they are um, not from the class that you're masquerading as, then your gnolls get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Right. So you want to usually get your gnolls down to free before you play a rogue card and reveal that, ha ha ha, ha <laughs> you've been tricked, even though literally everyone knows all of the time. Um, and then the final piece is the graveyard and Draca that came out um, with this last expansion. So the graveyard um, makes the stealthy guys, depending on how many cards that you've played, and Draca gives you the weapon, depending on how many cards that you've played in your turn. So there's a lot of like low cost cards here that you want to be playing to combo all this stuff together and make some really big stuff to hit them in the face with and kill them. Yep. See, I understand it on paper, but then I get into the like I get into the game and I'm like, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> yeah, it's you understand it. But so the game comes down to three different phases, the three different phases. Phase number one. You set up. You wait. First three turns, usually. You're just chilling. You want to make your gnolls cost zero. That's what you want to do these first few turns. Do that with tradables. 
You can do that with Shroud. You're counting to five. You tradable on one. You draw for your turn. That's one. You tradable into another rogue card. That's two. You draw another one on turn two. That's three. You can coin Shroud here four or five. Your nulls cost zero. Right, because it draws the cards from Shroud before it kind of like recognizes. And this is an interaction. Again, this kind of comes down to interactions I didn't realize were a thing not being a rogue player. Um, so when you play Shroud, it draws those two cards, counts them as not your class, then reveals that you're a rogue. So I was worried that playing Shroud would give me away before I drew the card. So I wasn't doing it. And then I think it, one of the conversations, because we've had a lot of conversations in the last couple of weeks about this yes. deck specifically, because I've I'm, been trying so therapist. hard, you guys. I'm yes. a rogue therapist. <laughs> it sounds like you run around the countryside, like giving unsolicited therapy advice. <laughs> You're just yes. a rogue therapist. You're a therapist who's gone rogue. Um, but yeah, like we've that had a lot funny. of conversations. <laughs> Isn't that just Twitter.com? Yes, basically. <laughs> I've just described IRL Twitter. Uh, but yeah, so we've had a lot of conversations about this. And that's one of the interactions that I didn't realize is that those two cards will discount your gnolls because it still counts as rogue cards when you're not revealed to be the rogue yet. There's lots of those tricksy things. The mask coming off is an after effect. So it mostly so it comes up with tradables because those don't break the mask. You're not playing anything. So you're just right. any druid with a blackwater cutlass. Who knows what you could be? Um, <laughs> and then shroud is two ticks off your knoll. Edwin also counts. So if you tradable on one and then Edwin on three, your knolls will cost zero. You really want your knolls to cost zero because zero is the best mana cost because you don't have to pay for anything. So that means if you Edwin with no mana up and you draw a knoll, you just play it. If you shroud into it, you can play both knolls right away. It's, you want your knolls to cost zero. You really, really do. Count to five before you break the mask. There are times where this won't happen. If you know about those times already, you don't need my strategy section. Thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> yeah, this is, like I said off the top of this, like... This is for me. This isn't for you guys. I'm sorry. This is just, I wanted to record hat so I could listen back later while I'm playing. <laughs> yes. In case you needed some drive-by rogue therapy. Rogue therapy! Um, so, you get your nose to zero. <laughs> get your nose to zero. So, I have written down in the show notes, step one, null. Step two, big. Step three, stab. That's, these are the three phases of the game. Null, big, stab. So, big. What qualifies as big? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, gonna, gonna center. <laughs> gonna center. Okay. So, phase two, you're using your graveyards, your Edwin, and your Draka to do stuff. If you think about this deck, like we talked about, Joss, there are not that many cards in the deck that actually do anything other than draw more cards. You are very threat light. You have two ghosts from graveyards. You have one weapon from Draka, maybe you Shadow Stab it, you have Edwin, and your gnolls are, are like, they're kind of threats. They're gonna, they might connect face a couple times. If they do, you're pretty happy. But Graveyards, Edwin, and Draka. And then you finish off with the burn spells. That's step three stab. Don't worry, we'll get to that. <laughs> Some of you might be worried that we get to stabbing. It's just part of the rogue life. You get used to it. So if you can Graveyard for like five fives, or make a 5-3 dagger with Draka. That's great. That's great. You don't need to make a trolled and highlight and get a 14-3 dagger and turn 4 or whatever and be like, this is the only way I win with the deck. No, 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 hold on. When your gnolls cost 0, if you're against a class that's not going to remove them, just play your 0 mana 3 fives. Then you attack your opponent for 3 with them next turn. It's plus 1, plus 1 in a graveyard. 
or it's three attack next turn. Three is bigger than one. Play it for three. Just play it out there. That means next turn, like it's turn four. You're blowing four. my mind right now. <laughs> it's I've been holding my knolls so much. <laughs> attack them. Play the minion and hit them in the face. So it's turn three, you shroud, you play a knoll. It has stealth. Then next turn, you attack for three. That's more than plus one, plus one. All right, turn four. Say you have the coin. All right, let's say you have the coin. Edwin, coin. Say you draw like a gone fishing or something. Then a sinister strike. Then you prep a bone spike on one of their minions. And then you play a graveyard and make a 6-6. Good turn. You attack face for three. You killed one of their minions. You dealt face for three with a sinister strike. Drew a few cards. Made a 9-9 Edwin. And then you made a 6-6 off your graveyard. Obviously a good turn. If you didn't even have Edwin though. If you end up doing like. It's turn four going first. Something like Sinister Strike, Gone Fishing, uh, uh, Prep, Toothface, Graveyard, make a 5-5. Five, five. Totally fine. You hit face for 6, you made a 3-5, and you made a 5-5. Five, five. How much damage is that? That's uh, You attacked for 9, and you have another 8 coming the next turn, that's 17, that's half a Renathal by itself. What you're looking to do, you want to spend about 3 or 4 turns compressed in the mid-game between about turn 3 and turn 7 where you play as much stuff as you possibly can because they have to play by the rules of how much things cost and you really don't. However, if you wait too long and they catch up and they get to play their stuff, you're not cheating anymore and they beat you in a fair fight. They'll play Raid Boss and Nixia or Denathrius or whatever. Insatiable Devourer will mess you up. Oh, I've been devoured yeah. so many times. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I was gonna say I've been punished by devouring so many times. I'm like, that's not better. Not better. It's funnier. <laughs> anyway, but yes, I know the, exactly the scenario you're talking about. Like you are describing my rogue situation. Like this is what happens to me: is I end up waiting like one turn too long to do my big thing and then they have the removal they have the answer whatever and then i end up losing to these like eight nine ten mana plays and i'm like damn it like i feel like i shouldn't be getting here i feel like i should be doing bigger things earlier i feel like i should be cheating because rogues cheat <laughs> that is what yes. they have always done in hearthstone it is why i don't understand them and why I have so much trouble wrapping my head around them is because rogues just cheat. So <laughs> when I play rogue and I don't cheat or I don't know how to cheat properly, then I end up in these situations where my opponent gets their, you know, seven, eight, nine mana. They do their big thing and I can't come back from that. And usually I've played you know, my Draca, my Edwin, my my Knowles and everything else and not in the most efficient way possible. So, you know, I'm getting four fours and five fives off my graveyard. I'm, you know, getting a four, four, three thing off of Draca. And but those are fine, but those are OK. It doesn't feel OK, though, because then I play against a rogue and they're like, oh, by the way, here's my whatever 15, 15 Edwin on turn three. Have fun. And I'm like, oh. That's a high roll. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> so you make an excellent point. You made an excellent point because this is a really important concept to keep track of. Discipline. How much damage 
Can a pirate, a quest pirate warrior with a juggernaut, how much damage do they make over the course of a game? Literally infinity. You are only gated by the turn limit. How much damage yeah. can a Naga priest do over the course of the game? A, uh, a thousand. A lot. Way so, way too much. The way you lose by getting taken off the board, but it's not a limitation in the amount of damage that you can do. It's a limitation in how much board you have. Zoo, you just attack with your minions over and over again. Rogue, you can plan on any one game generally doing 40 to 50 total damage. Maybe a little bit more. Maybe a little bit more. So that means if you are consistently trading when you need to be going face, you will lose because you oh, do not have so that often. much damage. So, Oh my God, I trade so much. <laughs> this is the thing. When you're doing your unfair stuff, trading is a fair thing. Make them do it. Make your stuff so big that they have to trade into it, then hit them in the face. That's what you have to do because you can't win if the game goes long and trading slows the game down. Your knoll has mm. got to go face unless you're going to die. So even a scenario of turn two shroud, play a knoll, it's stealth, it just sits there, doesn't have anything to attack. Turn three, go face, like, uh, sinister strike, step your knoll, replay it, graveyard, make a 4-4. Four, four. You have a 3-5 and a 4-4, four, four, you went face for six. Next turn, you do a few things, you make a 5-3 Draka. You're attacking for, on turn, on turn four, you're attacking for 12. You're attacking for 12. That's a 3-5 Noel, a 4-4, four, four, and a 5-3 Dagger. That is 12 damage on turn four after the six damage you dealt on turn three. That's 18. If all that stuff lives again, 3-4-3 three, three is another 10, another 15. So you've dealt, you're almost what? there. You've dealt 33. If they're not Renathal, they are dead now. Mm. And then if your hand has a wicked stab and a tooth in it, the game is over. But if you trade at any point with any of that stuff, you have slowed down your clock by at least a turn. And slowing down your clock by at least a turn means they have another turn to play something that screws you over. Do not give them time. Cheat and then stab. <laughs> cheat and stab and cheat and stab. Rinse and repeat. Got it. Yeah. Even if they... because Okay, so we're going to talk very briefly about matchups here because I find, and, and this is where the trading conversation comes in, one of the best matchups that you've identified here is imp lock. And I find I just freak out when there are imps on the other side because I'm like, oh my God, they could do so many powerful things. They have so many imps. I need to get rid of them. And I trade and trade and trade and trade and trade. And then eventually I just lose. Um, so even if they're imps and the thing on the board is their thing that they need for what they want to do, I still don't care. Hat, this is blowing my mind. Okay. <laughs> like, so, this doesn't feel like how Hearthstone should be. <laughs> here's how you make them stop making big imps. You kill them in the face. If they're dead, <laughs> they can't play more they can't imps. can't make imps. <laughs> so you will probably be trading with your early gnolls and get them off the board. Shadow steps are great for fueling your graveyards, fueling your draka, and keeping them off the board. Then kill them. Because they're slow to get back in the board. Mischievous Imp is probably the best way they do it. But if you take them off the board, they have to set up impending catastrophe. Or even if they have to get to Imp King or Fom, that's turn six. If they're dead on turn seven, their turn six don't matter. And they have mm. no Imps with Taunt. The only Taunt is Voidwalker. Is so Voidwalker, yeah. If you get them off the board and then start pushing face, they cannot take you off the board without developing minions with no rush, no charge. They just got to wait. They just got to play stuff and wait and hope it works out. So, stealth minions, 
can't stop your stealth minions. Maybe they starfish you, but the stats stick around. Edwin, if he's big, hit them in the face. If you have a 9-9, hit them for 9. They have 30 life. They're not a Renathal tech. You can kill them on turn 6. They can't effectively tap, and pending catastrophe is super duper slow, because they're paying 2 mana for a bunch of cards, and you're paying no mana for your cards. None is less than 2. That is an interesting point. None is indeed. I feel like you're doing a lot of math, but it's all math that makes sense. <laughs> you're That's telling rogue. me zero is the best cost. <laughs> yes. None is less than two. Thank you, Hat. Exactly. <laughs> I'm here for you. So I do find that matchup, like, the discipline is really hard to maintain because it's like, well, what if they play via library and then I'm dead? But sometimes you're dead. Sometimes that just happens. But if you trade the whole game... You're guaranteeing it because you can't keep up with an imp lock. Have you ever tried to run an imp lock out of stuff? Absolutely not happening. It is impossible. They <laughs> never have... run out of stuff. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> uh, you also identify that Demon Hunter is a really good matchup. And see, this is why I feel like I should love Rogue because it just hates Demon Hunter and murders them. How do I murder them? Same way, just ignore their stuff and kill them? Because, again, this feels like another one where I trade a lot. <laughs> yeah, what if you didn't? Then maybe they'd be dead. How did I mean, they kill they'd you? be dead. <laughs> how, like, how does Demon Hunter kill you right now? What do they do that actually threatens us? Um, They do the thing where they um have the, the thing that just attacks me all the time automatically. So um, Theno? Theno, yeah. That's, that takes a lot of work to set up, though. So I'm just giving them too much time. If they're getting to the point where they're getting her on online on board, then I'm probably dead anyways. And sometimes you die, which is also really good Hearthstone advice. Sometimes you die. <laughs> yep. It's you want to give yourself the best chance for victory. And the way to do that is usually just stick to your plan, do the thing, hit them with the thing, and then see who falls over. And just like you want to have discipline, you can make game time decisions you can make audibles like sometimes trading is the right call and then you'll win with a wacky tooth pull or whatever or a uh, three three draca dagger will just barely limp over the finish line um <laughs> but your plan is make really big stuff that your opponent can't stop for about four turns and then they can't do anything powerful because they didn't survive long enough that's really what you're hoping for we do not want to see a denathrius ever we do not want to see him so we don't want to get to Devourer, we don't want to get to Raid Boss Anixia, any of this big stuff. Um, the whole point here is to not get there. This is why Mage is kind of frustrating, because they just freeze you, and alibi you, and yes, freeze and alibi, I and have, freeze and alibi. I have noticed I'm playing against a lot of mages, and it seems like they are freezing my stuff. And gaining a lot of armor because they have the the um, minion that draws the spell and you gain the armor based on the cost. Um, so it's like they play that and all of a sudden they have 10 armor and all my stuff is frozen. I'm just like, oh, man, <laughs> like I, I feel like I'm navigating the matchup poorly, but maybe that's just mage things. It's that matchup is close. It is probably about 50 50, but the games you lose, it feels like zero percent. Because mm. they freeze you for a million turns. And you know what I'm saying about we don't trade with their stuff. You know it's a bad game when they don't trade with your stuff. Because it's just frozen until they kill you. Yeah. 
That's fair. And then finally, the really, really bad matchup for Rogue is Quest Priest. I haven't seen a lot of it, but um, tell me kind of how that plays out. Is it is it just one of those things where if you come up against a priest, you should probably just concede and not waste your time? Or how much how much of a chance do we have against Quest Priest? I don't think anyone should insta-concede any matchup ever. Uh, like, the only reason to do so is if you don't trust your own emotional state in a bad matchup. I have definitely done that before. <laughs> Yeah, we just call it Demon Hunter. I understand. I don't concede to every Demon Hunter. I've gotten a lot better, but there was a time shortly after release yes. that when I saw a Demon Hunter, I just conceded and I didn't even see my mulligan. I was just like, I am out. Nope. So it's a personal emotional decision, but it's a 25% matchup. That means you win one of every four games. You can't learn that matchup if you don't play it. So the problems in that matchup, Shadow Word Ruin. Four mana spell and core, destroy all minions that caught with five or more attack. That's all of your stuff, and you don't have that much stuff, and it doesn't care about stealth. So it just kills your stuff. Light Shower Elemental, it's a taunt, and it heals the life. It basically saves them about 14 life, and we can't really afford that when we're dealing 50 damage a game. And they start at 40, and they restore 14. Yeah, because they do Renathal, yeah. right? So yeah, the, we were just we were talking earlier about like how much damage Rogue can really do, and... 40 to 50 is the sweet spot, so if they start with an extra 10, that's already at, you know, one of your kind of breakpoints. And then if you're talking about, you know, all the healing they have access to as well, not even counting their hero power, right? But just like just from that one card, they're already out of range of our entire deck. So that makes sense that, you know, like the we're starting at a very big disadvantage. Yep, it's just not the matchup you want to see. That is the rogue counter. So if you want to beat rogues, play some quest priest. Maybe we'll talk about Quest Priest next time. Just kidding. You guys should send emails over to tacpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up in our patron discord. You can get access to that by going to patreon.com slash tack. Once you become a patron, then you get access to the discord and you can tell us what cool stuff are you playing? What would you like us to try out? What should we talk about next week? Uh, give us give us a shout and let us know. Let us know if you enjoyed the return of the standard strategy segment. Um, I had a lot of fun, Hat. Thanks for like walking me through. Even though I feel like we've talked about Rogue a lot, there's still a lot that I learned in this episode that kind of feels like light bulb moments. So I'll report back in and let you know if I actually complete my weekly quest <laughs> to win standard matches. <laughs> I swear I to God, that thing's been that thing has been sitting there for like two weeks now. And I'm like, I am not switching decks. I will learn how to do this. If it kills me or kills my chance to finish the freaking tavern pass. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so thank you so much for doing that. I thought it was really cool. I had a great time. Um, again, if you guys want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash tag. Thank you so much to our Patreon producer, Dustin C. Thank you for supporting the show and being here every single week. Uh, if you want to follow the show, please do go head on over to Twitter at TAC podcast and you can catch the live show on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern over on twitch.tv. It's not Monday nights anymore. I have to change the template. It's Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash jossplays. That's J-O-C-E plays, which is also my Twitter handle. You can go follow me there. You can also ch check out my general gaming podcast, which is called The Gamers In Hat. Where can folks find you on the internet? Uh, I'm giving drive-by rogue therapy advice in a city near you. Uh, <laughs> you can find me twitter.com ridiculous hat that is the hub of my content uh and also i do two other hearthstone podcasts coin concede 
a uh, Hearthstone podcast dedicated to making the competitive side of the game more accessible to you over at coinconceit.com. And Vicious Syndicate, a data-driven look at the High Legend metagame, viciousyndicate.com. Joss, where can people find you? I already said that we're done. That's it. No more show. We did it. And it was two hours, like you said. I can't believe we actually made it to two hours. I was so hoping we would only have an hour and a half show this week. You but said it out loud. You said I know, the normal show. I know, I this is it. the new normal. This, this is, is the, the new, new normal. normal. <laughs> well, with that, thank you guys so much for listening. Job's done. Job's done. Job's done.